0: Blog Talk Radio Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on BlogTalkRadio.com My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. Greetings, everyone. My name is David Fournier, lead instructor here at Restoring Grace. Whether you're joining us either live or on Archive, thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. Um, Tonight's show is about an incident in the Old Testament scriptures. It's about our Torah portion called Korach. Um, This won't be the most inspirational one I do or the most favorite one, but it's very technical. We have to talk about some of these things. When we think of the Zohar, when we think of the Torah, the Old Testament documents, I want you to stop in your mind of thinking Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, but start thinking in terms of Yitro, Mishpatim, uh, Bo, uh, Shemot, um, I'm blanking, uh, Korach. Think instead of unique stories that cover periods of time throughout these, and the stories are the intensity. This is where it's at. It's the idea of transferring the understanding and the knowledge in these stories and transferring it into real-life practice. That's what this is about. So in thinking about that, it's super important that we keep that in mind. And tonight, our subject is one of these stories. Um, The biblical story, we'll be in, by the way, Zohar, Volume 18, Portion Kora, Chapter 1, Verses 4 through 6. We'll also be reading from the Old Testament documents. The biblical story seems to stun the modern reader. Uh, The emphasis seems to be on the harshness of the punishment. Um, we're going to find out that Korok and, and the, the 250 men of known and anyone else who sided with them, they suffer a terrible fate. And, but the story is much deeper than just focusing in on the effect. Remember, we've talked about that in some of our previous shows. There's an effect consciousness where I think the vast majority of people, I think that's where they spend their mental energy. I think they think about, well, this happened. Like when there's an earthquake and you drive through someplace, you see buildings toppled over, or water shooting up in the air from broken water mains and, and chaos. You can see the effects of an earthquake. But the fact is the cause was underneath the ground, seismic shifting. I know I have no idea what to talk about right now. But that's just the effects of it. So when we read a story like Korok and we say, well, all these 250 men are renowned. Korak and, and his leaders, these guys are all going to die. How horrible is that? We're looking from an effect consciousness to mature, to grow. To learn more, we have to look at the cause of this. If Korah succeeds in overturning the role of Moses for Israel, for the Jew, for the promised land, and for all of us later down the line, this world is a very different and very dangerous place. Now, this particular portion of scripture is often on the Christian side referred to as Korah's rebellion because he does enlist a large group of leaders. And we're going to read here in just a couple of minutes that this wasn't just a group, group of people who were just grown up because they didn't feel like they were getting their share of manna. This wasn't a group of people who were just, you know, one day said, we want to be liberated from this. Th- these are battle-tried and tested men. These are leaders of Israel called by a particular phrase, men of renown. There's a subtle story here for us, and that is that no matter how highly elevated your soul gets, no matter how far up the ladder you're as you're climbing the rungs towards be transforming to the person that God wants you to be. You become a pastor, an apostle, a bishop, a, a prophet, or just be, just be me, right? We all can fall back into the traps of the world where we think we know better than God, we think we understand things better than God, and we need to tell God what the best plan is not going to be not the other way around. Much of the denominational. De- de- <laughs> Try that again. Much of the denominational differences we see in Christianity start as these kinds of doctrinal issues. But then they grow, they grow to separate the children of God in harmful ways. Tonight I'm doing something really special. I'm reading Numbers chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, but I'm reading them out of my grandmother Ruth's Bible. That is so awesome. Um, yeah, I can't get into that right now. I'm sorry. Numbers chapter 16, verse number 1. Now Korah, the son of Eshah, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, the, with Dathan and Aviam, sons of Eliab, On the son of Beth, the sons of Reuben, took action. And they rose up before Moses together with some of the sons of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, chosen in the assembly, men of renown. And they assembled together against Moses and Aaron, and said to them, "You've gone far enough. For all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is in their midst. So why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord?" Now, our our portion today, and what we're going to talk about, isn't going to give us time to go into what these words mean and what these guys were saying, but just so that you grab onto it, Korah has led uh, leaders, men of Israel, two hundred fifty men of renown, against Moses, and the accusation is at a very minimum, it's a harsh and it's a very aggressive statement against Moses and against his leadership. Now let's go to the Zohar. Read verse number four, chapter 18. I'm sorry, volume 18, chapter one, verse number four. The rabbis and sages say, now Korah took, number 16-1. And he asks, what is the meaning of this word took? He responds, he took faulty counsel for himself. If one chases after something that does not belong to him, It escapes from him and even loses what he has. Korah chased something that was not his, therefore he lost his own and no one else gained. Now, I want to stop right there for just a moment because both the Torah and the Zohar, in the lessons that I have read, all hone in on this idea about took action. But when they talk about it, we'll talk about it in just a minute, when they talk about chasing something that does not belong to him, remember that desire in and of itself is not a bad thing. Wanting something, looking at somebody, seeing something, a spiritual place, a level you want to be, something you want to achieve, that in and of itself is not the problem. We'll get to the problem here in just a minute. When we move from thoughts to actions, and someday I'll teach on this, the Kabbalists teach about the five levels of the world, and one of them is what's called the world of creation. But as we move from thoughts to actions, we begin to create things in the world of creation. In that world of creation, we make things begin to happen. Social media has taught people to put LOL or JK, I don't even know what those mean, after ignorant or mean statements. But we have to caution ourselves here because when we speak something, when a word comes out, when we speak something, Proverbs says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. James goes on to say that as small as a rudder is compared to the rest of the ship, it's what controls what direction that it goes. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we say things out of our mouth, we create things. Let me give you an example. What do you think would happen if we were in the movies, you're sitting there next to your date, and you're watching a movie, and some guy a few rows back stands up and says, fire, fire, everybody get out. Now, would everybody go on their phone and Google, what does fire mean? We'd get out of the building. He created this panic with what he said. Now, maybe there's a fire. Maybe there's a good reason to go. You grab your date's hand and you run out the door to safety and you find out there was no fire or there wasn't fire. He created the environment that caused that level of panic. We can create environments that cause level of encouragement. We can create environments that, cause, uh, that will cause level of, uh, of uh, teaching and education. Our words and thoughts, they get a life of their own. And they will affect all the people around so that's why the rabbis and sages, they hone in on that, and they say, and he took. He went from the, the world of thought, he went to the world of creation. And the rabbis and sages, we need to remember, by the way, that often when it gets to the level where the words begin to get a life of their own, there is no turning back. Now, the rabbis and sages, they stand around that fact that Korach chose what was not his. it's well, a problem? Having desires is not a problem. Seeing something that somebody has and saying, I'd like to achieve that is not the problem. The problem is that Korak he wanted the reward, but he did not want the work. Let me say that again. He wanted the reward, but he wasn't willing to do the work. In in our Christian lives, in in, in our spiritual lives, we often confuse spiritual disciplines with spiritual work. Spiritual disciplines, prayer, going to church, reading your scriptures, studying, singing, tithing. Those are spiritual disciplines. Those are things that we do inside our faith tradition. Spiritual work is when we apply what we've learned into the lives of others. When we receive for the sake of sharing with others, that's spiritual work. Now, we often can find ourselves desiring spiritual gifts of others. I know as a a very young minister, a very young preacher, I looked up to the men. That were in the pulpit. I, I tried to copy the way they talked. I I I if they had a seven point outline, I did a seven point outline. I really tried to do it. But what looking from the outside, it's easy to determine what and whose gifts we may want, but you've got to beware. You can never know the backstory as to what they went through to get there. Sometimes when you listen to somebody give a message or talk something and you say, wow, that really impacted me. If you ever could sit down with that person and say, how did you learn that? You might find out that that's not a lesson that you ever want to learn. That's not a club you ever wanted to join. This only, by the way, takes us away from our own journey, sometimes to our end, such as Korok, but sometimes we just lose time. Basically what we see here is Korah is trying to sidestep the spiritual lineage of the, le- and the Levites. He wants to jump across what God has said belongs to the Levites. He wants to jump across what God has said belongs to Moses, and he wants to do this on his own. Who are you, he says, to place yourself above us? We do not have time, but if you get a chance, read number 16 and look at Moses' response. Amazing. Today's modern Christianity is constantly disregarding ministry, le- ministry leaders and doing what it wants. I want to tell you, side note, this is an affront to God. God is the one who chose the leaders, and by being accountable to your leaders, you learn how to be accountable to God. It's being accountable to your mentor, being accountable to your your rabbi, your sage, your pastor, your teacher, your leader, your friend who's guiding you as you learn to respect them and learn to respect the words and learn what they're teaching. At the same time, you learn to be accountable to God. And as we will see shortly, and sadly, no one, No one gains from Korah's decision to confront Moses. Everything was lost. Verse number five in the Zohar. We're almost done, guys. Hang in there. Korah turned to disagreement. What is the meaning of disagreement? Distancing and repulsion. The distancing and repulsion of what is above and below. And whoever wishes to postpone the restoration of the universe will become lost from all the worlds. Wow. I threw that in there for accident. Conflict is a, dis, is a distancing of peace, and whoever is in conflict about peace is in disagreement with his holy name because his holy name is called peace. Wow. Korah starts with disagreements and accusations. There's no room for dialogue here. He's not saying, hey, we're trying to figure out how you're coming up with the advice you're coming up with. We're trying to figure out how you're talking to God. We're trying to work this through, and we can't make sense of it. Tell us, Moses, explain it. And he just comes in and says, Who do you think you are? You're not more spiritual than everybody. It is accusations. It is disagreements. There is no conversation. There is no dialogue. Today's environment on Facebook, from good-hearted Christian people, today's environment encourages hateful speech. It encourages uninformed accusations. And I want you to understand something clearly. Remember that disagreements and accusations breed conflict, and there is no godly Position for that. You can tell yourself all day long, "Oh yes, it is." I'm standing it. Shut up. Just shut up with it. You're saying it because you like to say it. You're saying it because you're angry. You're saying because you're disappointed because some other dude wanted You wanted this other dude. Whatever your reasons may be, there is no godly position for disagreements and accusation. There is godly positions for dialogue, for conversations, for seeking out answers together. The Torah contains the instructions for restoration, rebuilding, and correcting the world. Listen to what he says there. Whoever wishes to postpone the restoration of the universe will become lost from all the worlds. Korah behaved in a way that caused repulsion and distancing. By the way, I'm not talking about social distancing. That was the governor of your state that caused that. When we cause dissension and strife, among the congregation of believers, we cause separation. When we argue or speak badly against the leadership placed over us, we actually defile the holy name. He says where there's conflict about peace as in a disagreement, its disagreement is with his holy name because his holy name is called peace. The greater the conflict, the more time the conflict goes on, the farther away peace will be. We must start to be people That make a pathway for peace. Now, guys, it's not all bad news. Listen to verse 6. Come and behold, the world does not exist except through peace. When the Holy One, blessed be, he created the world, it could not endure until he came and made peace dwell upon it. What is that you say? It's called the Shabbat. For it is the peace of the upper and the lower worlds, the upper and the lower grades. And when the world endured, therefore, whoever creates dissension about this peace will be lost From the world That is some harsh terminology And I don't read a lot of that terminology In the Zohar, that particular kind of phrase Korah had an evil tongue And he used it to gather support He was convincing But his words were not peaceful Korah gathered and listened to bad counsel This gave him a false sense of being correct Korah chased after What he'd not worked for Moses was a leader, God had established him Korah turned to Immediate disagreement. Not dialogue, but a conversation that brought conflict. The rabbis and sages say the world cannot exist without peace. Now I know what you're saying. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You've lost your mind. Do you think this world is peaceful? It exists, but it is not peaceful. That's true. Because the world is existing right now for the sake of Messiah. It is existing right now for the sake of people who do not know Hashem yet. It is, it, is, it is existing way in the return of the Messiah, the King. The scriptures tell us that it groans, that the earth groans under the load of all the suffering. We are to be agents of peace. If you go on to read the story, don't read it tonight because I don't want you to be bummed up, bummed out when you wake up in the morning. The story ends with the absolute destruction of Korah and all that joined him. Why? Why death? Because Korah's rebellion brought death to the door of the Israelites. The point of Sabbath, the point of us, the point of restoration of the universe is that Sabbath rest is to practice peace. I want you to look at things today. I want you to think of of arguments that you've had, of of anger that you felt, of frustration that's gone on, and ask yourself, were you really plugged into that or did you get plugged into it? You see, folks, where there is disagreement, where there is accusation, where there is no room for dialogue, there will be no steps towards peace. And peace is what makes the world exist. Sadly, we don't, we're not a people of peace. People, somebody asked me a couple of months ago, this, do you think that any intelligent life from other planets will ever come visit us? I said, I think they flew by looked how we treated each other and said, nothing to see here. Let's move on. It was Korah's decision to try and overturn Moses. It was not a great decision. It was a costly decision. But yet, it's a decision that we often make when we think about the things of God. Remember, remember, we are to be a people of peace. We are to, be, to encourage dialogue. We are to talk, shape, live, and surround ourselves with the commands and love of the master of the universe. My name is David Fournier, senior instructor here at Restoring Grace. And once again, thank you so much. We're looking forward to our next show on the Zohar in 15.